Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Well, great to see all of you today. Thanks for coming and joining us in worship as we kind of grow closer to God together, side by side with other people. Don't you love people that can paint? My gosh, I can't paint a wall, let alone words on a piece of paper that more than enough with watercolor. How cool is that? The people in our congregation can do that kind of jazz. So we were talking about, as a church family this summer, how God wants to give us more than we can imagine. He wants to give us good things. And last week we talked about how God blesses everyone and wants to bless us more. That God blesses us. And you go, how has God blessed me today? Well, he's giving you oxygen right now. Like, did you know that? That's a blessing from God that you can breathe right now, that there's air conditioning in this building, that online, wherever you're watching, hopefully you're in air conditioning somewhere. These are God's blessing, that we have gifts and abilities, that we can make choices and decisions. These are all God's blessings. It is so easy. I'm not sure if you're in the same spot. It's so easy for me to look at all the things I don't have instead of see all the things that I do have. And so were we to count our blessings, where would that counting end? But we're so sort of normalized to think of all the ways we're not blessed. Oh, I'm not blessed. Cry, cry, cry. Right? Instead of going, no, look at all the things I do have. Look at all the decisions I can make. Look at all the blessings I have in my life. God blesses us immeasurably, abundantly with incredible things. And he wants to bless us more. Right? His disposition towards us is generosity. He's not stingy. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. He's gracious and faithful and kind. And that disposition of generosity, of wanting to bless us with more, is not based on what I do. It's just his character. His nature is he's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. In every circumstance, in every direction, at every time and place, this is who God is is, and he wants to bless us with more goodness. He's faithful and kind, wants to give us more. So today we're going to take this a little one step further and ask the question, how? How does God bless us? And I wonder if you could fill in this little statement. God blesses us through, and you might put me in here. God blesses me. How would you answer that? Like if you sort of take an inventory of your life, how would you say God has blessed you recently? God's blessed me through, like maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something that happened at work. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you thought was gonna be really, but it, or maybe you were diagnosed with something, but you have this really cool, cool doctor who's been able to help you. She's awesome. And like, how is, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a sunrise. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's a person in your life that came, God blesses me through, how, what? What would you put in that blank? I mean, we could fill this in over and over and over again. And last week, we talked about how God blesses us through his good design and his instruction. That one of the ways that God wants to bless you and me is that he has a purpose for my life. God is not haphazard. He is not random. He made this world and he made you. He made this world with a purpose and he made you for a purpose. He has a good design for this world and a good design for you. His blessing comes through that design. When you reject that design, you reject the blessing that comes through that design. 
but he also gives us instructions, right? So it's like he entrusts us with so much and our world is crazy. It's a crazy whack place. And he gives us instructions because he knows that we get lost, we get discouraged, we turn left, we turn right. Bad things happen, suffering is real, evil is real, temptation is real. He gives us instruction, his word is like a manual, his Bible is like a manual that guides us how to think about life, how to think about him, how to think about ourselves, how to live, love, serve, how to use our money and our time. He gives us instructions and when we open up the manual, my gosh, some of you men need to open up the manual to install something at home. What about your life? I don't need a manual. Like, yes, we do. We desperately need someone to guide us and to instruct us on how to live. And his blessing comes through his word, the Bible, that instructs us how to live and to love and to serve and how to deal with people we hate. Like, it teaches us all of that. And his blessing comes through this instruction. And I know some of you are looking at me. You're like, I'm not sure I'm convinced that this is true. I'm not sure this is right. So, okay. Let's keep going. I want to use an example of God's design, his good design, and his instruction, how it touches our daily lives, and through something we are blessed, something we all deal with all the time. Look at this. God blesses us through work. Can I get an amen? You're like, wait, what are you talking about? God's abundant blessing comes through work. You go, no way. I hate my job. My boss is a beep, right? Like, I hate my coworkers. I hate the people I work with. I've worked since I was 20, and now I'm 55, and I'm just working to get to the finish line. When can I get to 66 and a half? Because FICA says I can retire then, right? Like, there's no way that work is a blessing. That's just not possible. There's just no way. I hate my job. I hate working. It's so, like, okay, stick with me. Honestly, this is God's good design work. And he instructs us to work. And you might go, I just, I don't see that. But that's why we're here. We're going to unpack how God wants to bless you through your work. So we're going to look at a number of passages today, but we're going to start at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on, open them up, follow along with me online. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. And we're going to look at Genesis for a couple chapters, and we're going to look at Proverbs and look at Ecclesiastes. We're going to kind of look through the Bible and teach, look at how God wants to bless us through work. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word that teaches us and guides us. Do you have a good design and instructions for your design? So many times we're trying to do things on our own. Like we're trying to install something new in our houses without using the manual and we get frustrated. When you have provided for us through your design and through your instructions, your word guides us into all truth. So spirit of the living God, please work through these moments to teach us something about how you wanna bless us through this thing we do a lot of, work. Guide us and show us and convict us and teach us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis chapter one, right at the beginning, right? One of the, the opening lines of the Bible says, in the beginning, God, right? So God has existed before all time and space. He exists outside of time and space. And the first chapter of Genesis details for us how God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. He makes this infinite God makes you and me and puts us on planet earth. And all of Genesis chapter one is sort of detailing how and when, but it's really about Genesis one is about who, Who's making all things? The almighty God of the universe is making all things. And we get to Genesis 1, 26, and he says, let us make 
mankind, who's us, us is the three-person God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, make mankind, who's that, men and women, make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God makes us mankind in his image. This is super important in his likeness, he makes us. Nothing else in all of creation he makes in his image and his likeness that we are made to be like God gives us incredible intrinsic value. It makes us valuable that we are the only ones in his creation that are made in his likeness. We are not identical replicas, but we are similar to God in many ways. It gives us value. And then he says, I'm giving you value in my likeness so that you can rule over what do you think that is but work? Like I'm making you in my image. I am a God who works and I'm making you like me and now I'm giving you value and purpose. You are made to rule over to work. It is work to rule over fish and sea and livestock and animals and creatures that crawl around the ground. This is God's giving us purpose, value, and something to do called work as people created in his image. It's super cool that he makes us this way. And when you follow Genesis chapter one, we get to Genesis chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, go just to the next chapter, Genesis two fifteen. And, and what happens in Genesis chapter one is he kind of gives this big picture. Moses gives this big picture view of how God creates all things. In chapter two, he kind of slows down and zooms in to the creation of humanity. And he makes man in his image. And what the Bible says, is he took the dust of the, the ground and breathed life into it. And he made Adam in his image. And he also plants a garden. I'd like this. He makes man and he plants a garden. Super cool. And in Genesis chapter 2, 15, look what he does. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. You see, work. I made you in my image. I created all things, and as a God, I rule over all things, but now I'm entrusting you with purpose and value, and the things that I rule over, now I want you to rule over them. I want you to take care of my garden. I planted this garden, now you get to work it and take care of it. That gives you value and purpose. This is incredible, and this happens in Genesis chapter two. Right out of this moment, God then gives Adam instructions and says, hey, eat from anything you want, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He gives them purpose, he gives them design, gives them work, gives them instructions. You can eat anything you want. You can do it. I got one rule. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right after that, he says, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm gonna create woman, a partner, a suitable helper, a complementary part so that you're working together. And so just think of this. The God of the universe, almighty Yahweh, who holds all things together, creates us in his image, breathes life into us, stamps his image into us, says, I made you with value and for you to work. And I'm giving you a suitable helper so you're not alone. And I'm giving you purpose. I want you to take care of my garden. And, and Adam and Eve have this perfect relationship with God and they have a perfect relationship with one another and they're working. This is good and beautiful. It's called paradise. Even while they're working. I know that's hard to imagine, but here's where it goes south. You get to Genesis chapter three. God made a good design, a good value, good purpose, creates, connected. You have work to do. I have things for you to do, my sons and daughters. 
together in relationship with me. Just don't do this one thing. And Adam and Eve do the one thing God says not to do. They disobey his instructions. And so we get to Genesis chapter three, verse 17, and look what it says. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. I took you out of dust and made you into something. Now you're going to go back to dust. I made you in my image to have a purpose, to work and to take care, to do it in relationship with each other and do it in relationship with me. I've given you good work to love and to rule and to reproduce and to take care of this place. And you want to know, my sons and daughters, why work sucks? Because of sin. Through painful toil, you will eat food all of your days of your life, not because of God's good design. He designed it good. We took what he did good and disobeyed him, and now sin is what makes work hard. Sin is what makes work hard. Our choices make work hard. But this is so important. That does not remove the blessing of work. Just because sin enters the world and now Work is hard, we toil, we sweat, it's difficult. That's hard, that's difficult, that's bad, but it doesn't erase the value, the purpose of being created in his image, being made, designed to work. It doesn't take that value away. Our purpose on planet Earth, to rule, to subdue, to fill, in relationship to God, in relationship with one another, it's an incredible blessing. Sin makes it hard, but doesn't remove the blessing of work. And again, I know some of you are going, I don't believe it. I'm still not sure that work is a blessing, okay? Keep fast forwarding. I want you to fast forward in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28:19. So these words in Proverbs are written by Solomon. Solomon is an interesting character in the Bible. If you do a little research on Solomon, the Bible says he's the wisest guy who ever lived. He has an incredible life. His dad's a rock star, a great leader, a great musician, a great warrior. He's got a heart after God. Solomon is blessed at a young age with riches and wisdom. The Bible says he was an architect. He was a builder. He's a musician. He's a leader. He makes ships and is an explorer. He does all these crazy things with animals and poetry, and he lives an incredible life. Oh, and by the way, he also gives in to whatever sexual feeling he has, and he wrecks everything because of his sexual desires. But what I love about the Bible is the Bible is real. So you have this guy in the Bible who's incredibly wise and does incredible things and says incredible, important truths for us, and his life is a train wreck. And everything inside our society wants to cancel people who are train wrecks, and the Bible doesn't let us do that, right? It's like we're, we're broken people. Solomon desperately needs the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. He still has good things to say, even though he made incredible mistakes. What's hopeful about that for me is I still have incredible things and you still have incredible things to do, even though you're broken. God doesn't just throw people away and cancel like our culture does. He says, no, despite the fact that you're broken, I still can do great things. If you surrender to me, I can still work through you. So Solomon writes all this stuff in the Bible. Proverbs 28, 19 is a statement he makes. I want you to see it. He says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies, actually empty pursuits, will have their fill of poverty. Is this statement true? 
Like from your experience where you sit, as you look at the world, is this true? I mean, like, don't give me the dumb Christian answer. Like, well, a pastor asked me a question, so of course I have to say, yes, it's true. Like, does it ring true to you that those who work have abundance and those who don't, don't? Like, I look at this and I go, this is universally true. My opinion, right? You might disagree. Test it yourself. That this is true, that there's something about being designed and created in the image of God that we are designed to work. And when we work, there's a result. There's something that comes. When we work, rather than chasing empty pursuits, we have abundance. So most of us aren't farmers, although I love farmers, like rock star farmer out there, if you're watching, I'm so glad there's farmers in our world. Praise God for farmers, right? But most of us aren't that. So when we work, maybe this is Solomon's way of pursuing, rather than chasing empty pursuits or fantasies, we have abundance. I think this is universally true because we're designed in the image of God. There's something about how he wired us in his image that God is someone who works, and when God works, there are results. And as people create in the image of God, when we work, there are results. This is God's design. It's hardwired. It's universal. You can't go anywhere on planet Earth and say this isn't true. It's just true. You work and there's a result, abundance. You chase empty fantasies and you kind of like just sit around and go, I'm going to be an influencer. No, you're not. Like get a job. I mean, honestly, like there's a, there's a part of this whole thing like chasing empty fantasies not living in reality doesn't lead to anything. Certainly there are exceptions to that rule. I get it. But in the main, you work and there's a result of abundance. This is God's design. Now I want to pause because I think most of us have an idea of work that maybe the Bible doesn't have. When I use the word work, here's what I mean. Using our blessings to create, to order, and to accomplish. When we hear work, we think paycheck, we think career, right? We think boss, we think employer. I mean, that's an aspect of work, but it's broader than that. Work in God's perspective is broader. It's using our blessings that every one of us has been blessed with something, that we have skills and oxygen and decisions. We have hands, we have legs, we have abilities, that everything we've been blessed with has been entrusted to us by God for a purpose, to do something. Yes, that sometimes connects with a paycheck. Sometimes it doesn't. But regardless of the paycheck, we have work to do. And as people created in the image of God, we are created to create, right? And so a part of why we're here on planet Earth is complementary parts are come together to fill the earth, to put more people. We're to create people. We're to create families. We're to create homes. We're to create art. We're to create pizza. We're to create benches. We're to create beautiful gardens. We're to create. This is what it means to be created in the image of God. We work. We create just like God. But we also order things. So those of you who love spreadsheets and lists, you should be really thankful because God is a God of order. It's why in that earlier passage where he says the wild animals rule over them. Like there's something wild going on in our world. There's weird diseases. There's difficult, complex issues that need to be ordered through science and Excel and lists. We are to order things in our lives. 
And we're to accomplish things, that God has put us here for a purpose, that God is not random, he's not haphazard. And if God does things to accomplish for a purpose, then we, as those created in his image, are also to create and to order and to accomplish things for his purpose. That's why we're here. This is work. And so when we go back to this phrase, we're, we're to work and rather than pursuing dishonest or empty pursuits, we have abundance to make. When we work, this is what we mean. We're to accomplish, to create, to do things with the gifts that God has given us, not pursue empty fantasies. This is where we get abundance from. So I, I think if you're thinking at all, you probably are going to ask a question. If you didn't know this, I read minds. I know the question that's in some of your minds is like, if this is true, when we work, we have abundance. What do you do with all the people that are stuck in poverty? What do you do with all the people that are in parts of the world that don't have clean water and don't have food? Do they not work, but they have no abundance? What, what goes on? What gives? How is this true? And I think that's a good question. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, th I think when we process this, we go, again, we go back to sin and the result of sin. That's not good, God's good design for anybody to live in poverty and not have clean water. That's not his good design, but the result of my sin and your sin and the generations of sin that have happened around the globe causes people to be stuck in these situations and circumstances where they're impoverished and they don't have clean water. That's a reality because of sin, not God's good design. But what's important is, would you not tell someone in a community or a nation that was stuck in poverty, would you not tell them this truth? hey, you know what? You're stuck in a really bad situation, so what you should do is change empty fantasies and sleep all day. Would that be the advice you would give them? No, you'd say, no, we work, and when we work, we have abundance. There's abundant good things that come through that because it's God's design for you. Regardless of the circumstance or situation you find yourself in, this is universally true. Is that accidentally universally true? No, it's designed. God designed and hardwired you and me in his image. And because of that, wherever you are on planet Earth, in whatever century, generation, place, or path, this is true because it's hardwired into being created in his image. Here's a problem that comes from this. We think, especially as Western Americans who live in relative abundance and affluence, we think this blessing of work hard is an entitlement. We think if I work hard, then I get abundant resources for me. You see, if I, I, me. Where's God? I, I agree that one of the great things about our, our economy and our nation is that if you work hard, there are abundant resources that many of us can gain. That's just true and that's a beautiful thing. But when I make everything, including my work, about me, I'm actually missing the blessing of what God designed for you and me. Because where's God? Like, did God give you the brain that does excel? Or is that just you? Did you decide to be born in this generation and this, this time? Did you make the decisions about this stuff? Does the oxygen and the gifts that you have and the brain and the health and the relationship and the networking and the academics and education, is all of that because of how great you are? I mean, yes, we do work hard and there's abundance that comes from working hard. But when you trace it all back and you figure it all out, you go, God of the universe has created this world and designed me with this brain and this mouth. 
planted me in a specific family at a specific time and brought great things into my life so that I could gain all this stuff to keep for me? If that's true, we're missing out on the blessing of God. You go, I don't agree. Let me show you again. Keep turning in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter five. Have you figured out how to spell Ecclesiastes yet? I haven't. What a word. Ecclesiastes chapter five. Again, this is Solomon talking. This is a guy who works, who knows how to create and order and accomplish. And in Ecclesiastes chapter five, he makes this statement. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. The sleep of the laborer is sweet. Have you thought about the fact that sleep is a blessing from God? God blesses us through sleep. Sleep is a blessing from God. I want sweet sleep, don't you? I mean, have you been up those nights where you see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven o'clock? I mean, those are long, difficult nights when you can't sleep. But God has a design for sleep and a purpose for sleep, and he instructs us here about a way to get sweet sleep. The sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, whether someone has a lot or a little, if they work, if they create, if they order, if they accomplish with the gifts that they've been blessed with, if that happens, their sweet is sleep because you've actually expended yourself. God made us finite beings that are designed to fuel and then release, right? To take in and then give out, to get tired. To be a laborer is sweet, whether you have a lot or a little. But if you never labor, if you never work, then there's something about how that impacts your sleep. So you chase empty fantasies all day long, you spend your whole day sleeping and you stay up all night, and it whacks out your sleep so like right like this is happening in our culture in our generation right now where people are chasing empty fantasies and they're not sleeping but a designer a god says no when you work you sleep but he's also teaching us something about abundance when he talks about the rich here he's not saying that if you have a lot of abundant things then you're never going to sleep but if you see your abundance as yours if you look at your life and you look at your paycheck and you look at your bank account and you look at your relationships and you look at your house and you look at your car and you look at everything you've been entrusted to you and all you do is think about how that's all for you, you're rich, you got a lot of stuff, but you've made it all about you, that's greed. This relationship is for me. This money's for me. This time is for me. This retirement is for me. This energy is for me. This health is for me. These, it's all for me. When you view life that way, you will not sleep because you're constantly thinking restlessly about how to make everything about you. And you're going against your design and against the instruction of God. He permits no sleep to those who live that way. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 15. He actually talks about this. Luke 15, Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard, against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Watch out. Be on your guard of all kinds. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. You work so hard for all of that. 
Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. In some ways, this is identical to what Solomon is saying. When you have abundance, whatever stores up for yourself, and you're not rich towards God, you're not going to sleep. In some ways, these are parallel passages that Jesus is teaching. If whatever God has blessed you with, and you use it to gain for yourself, and everything is about you, you're going to live an anxious, fearful, purposeless life, but instead saying, no, God's entrusted me to these things so that I can be a blessing to other people and to use what I've been entrusted with to serve other people. This is God's design for you and me, for us to work and not to be greedy. And so sort of what do we do with all this? How do I sum all this up? God blesses us through work. Don't miss this. It'd be so easy to be like, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I get it. I get it. But there's a design element to who you are made in the image of God that you were intended, designed to create, to order, to accomplish. When you don't do that, you miss his blessing. And this was so cool about this. This has to do with every person at every season. So toddlers are out there watching me. Toddlers, you have work to do. Like toddlers have something to create and to accomplish and to order. You have a playroom to clean up and something to color and you have ways to help around the house as a toddler. You're in elementary school, you have work to do. You have to learn your ABCs and you create and order and accomplish. You're a teenager, teenagers out there, we need you to work, amen? Like we need teenagers to create and to order and to accomplish, to be a part of God's good design. If you're in your, coming out of your college or career years, you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. You're in your 30s or 40s or 50s. You've been working for a lot of years. We need you to keep working. And for those of you who are retiring, you can retire from employment, but you can never retire from work. There's work to do. There's families and neighborhoods, and the kingdom of God. So put your golf clubs away, and we need you, right? So it's okay. You've worked hard. I get it. Stop working for an employer, but work for the king, right? You have purpose in this place. There's things for you to accomplish and create on planet Earth to do good things. Some of you struggle with physical limitations. Some of you have mental limitations. You have work to do. Just because you have mental or physical limitations doesn't mean there's not a place for you to create, to accomplish, to order something. We need everyone created in the image of God to do work for the glory of God. And some of us are in difficult work environments. Some of us are in struggling in career choices and, and the employment part is really hard. We can't find work. Or we're not satisfied in our career or retirement isn't all that it's cracked up to be, right? That's some of us. We've been in that experience. You know what the Bible says? Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. You don't work for that boss. You don't work for the government. You don't work for anybody else. You work for Jesus Christ. 
And the glory of Jesus is at stake in everything we do. And oh, thank God he never retires. I am so glad God never retires because if he retired, we'd be in trouble. Thank God he is always at work to bring good things to you and me. And so as the sons and daughters created in his image, we have good work to do too. And if your work is a difficult place, you serve almighty God. Work with it as unto God. You bring this offering of work, even if other people don't see it. And here's what we gotta know. God doesn't bless greed. He never does. He doesn't bless it. So when you think this world is about you, when you think your health is about you, when you think your relationships are about you, when you think your gifts are about you, when you think your time is about you, when you think your retirement is about you, when you think your finances are about you, when you think everything is about you, that's called greed, self-centeredness. God is not going to bless your greed because life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions or blessings or gifts. But instead, it's intended to be a conduit that we're to bless others. So when I work hard and you work hard, yes, we accumulate good things, but if we see it as that is the end of it, instead of seeing us as a conduit to give more away, to serve other people, help other people, man, enjoy golf. I'm not anti-golf or beaches or retirement, none of that. Enjoy life, absolutely, to the glory of God. But when you wake up in the morning, is it all about you? God's not gonna bless that. Can you see there's a bigger picture and there's more to do so that everything you have, you can be a blessing to others. And when you're a blessing to others, he will entrust you with more. That's the abundance of God. He wants to give us more so that we can give to others. So when it stops with you and me, and we take all the gifts that he's given us and all the effort and all the time and all the money and all the resources, and it stops with you and me, is he really gonna give you more? Why would he? But when you see yourself as a conduit where you can enjoy beautiful things and you can go on vacation, get a nice car, all of that's all fine. But don't worship your money. Don't worship your retirement account. Don't worship your time off. Give, serve, be generous and watch how the blessing of God comes through that. You know, we're not really good with the commandments. You know, there's 10 commandments in the Bible. You know, the Old Testament, remember that? Um, there's a couple that I'm good at. I'm good at not murdering. I'm pretty good at not stealing most of the times, but there's one that I'm really not good at. It's in Exodus, it's the fourth commandment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. I'm not good at this. So uh, yeah, maybe I didn't steal today, I didn't murder, but did I rest? Do I stop? Here's how we're not created in the image of God. God is infinite. And so God, when he rested on the seventh day, it wasn't because he was tired. He's never grows tired or weary. It's because he stopped, ceased, he was complete and accomplished his purpose. And so he designs you and me to work hard, to accomplish to create as someone in his image, but he also created us to need to rest and to stop and to take, and he blesses us through rest, but most of us are not really good at rest. We're not good at stopping because we go, well, I'm not tired or I'm not finished, but there's this pattern, this rhythm that God designed, and when we follow his design and listen to his instructions, we get blessed through that. So you want blessing, you, you go, it goes through that. Maybe it's time for you to rest 
to take a vacation, to remember you're not that important. The most important thing in your life is to be there present for your kids and your spouse and your grandkids and your family and your aunts and your uncles. The relationships are the most important and that's not your work. Yes, work hard, but rest. His blessing comes through rest. So this week, if you're looking for God's blessing, here's my diagnosis. If you want God's blessing, work hard, avoid greed, and take a nap. Like, honestly, like there's something so simple about this. This isn't the only way God wants to bless you with abundance this week, but it is a way. Work hard. Whatever you do, do it with all your efforts. Don't chase fantasies. Don't do things that have no outcome and it's unrealistic. Work hard with your time and energy. Work as if you're working unto the Lord. Use everything he's entrusted you to serve and to give. Don't be greedy. When you think everything is about you, your time, your energy, your relationships, your money, I earned it, I deserve it. When you think that way, you're being greedy and God's not gonna bless that. Avoid that and my gosh, take a nap. How great is that? That God gives sleep to those he loves and there is a place for all of us just to take a nap and rest. And in God's good design, he will bless you with that. Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, for always working and never, never taking a day off from loving us and serving us and caring for us. Thank you that you're always, always awake and you don't sleep. You don't need to sleep. And so you watch over our coming and going now and forevermore. Thank you for making us in your image, what gives us incredible value and purpose for giving us work to do, good work to do in this world, to create and to order and to accomplish, that your blessing to us comes through our work. Sometimes that's our career. Many times it's not. That The things that matter most to us are not our work for a paycheck, but the things we do among people and in our communities and families. God, may we be like you and leverage everything we have to be generous towards others. May we not be greedy and think that we are entitled or earned and so therefore we can make the universe about us. Everything we have comes from you. You are the source of all good things. My intellect, my abilities, even the place and time I was born is all because of your goodness to us. Yes, you designed us to work, but not to be greedy. So may we be a people that are generous and kind, patient and loving with all that's been entrusted to us. May we find meaningful work in our homes and neighborhoods and in the church of Jesus Christ to advance your kingdom and serve people. May we take a nap and rest and trust you that even when we sleep, you're not done. You can refill us and replenish us so that we're ready to go for another day or another week. Thank you for being the kind of God that blesses abundantly. We seek after that today in Jesus' name, amen.